Larry, how'd the screening go? How's my new ending? Fantastic, fantastic. Work like gangbusters. That's why you get the big bucks, Griff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop kissing my ass, Larry. What do you want? Can't this wait? I don't think it should. This is hot. I got a writer in here who's got a pitch I think you ought to hear. I think it's something we should go for. It's a great idea. Yeah, who's the writer? I'll put him on the speaker. Hold on a minute. Hiya, Griff. Remember me? I'm the asshole who used to be in the postcard business. You? Yeah, that's right. The king of suspense himself. You remember me? I haven't heard from you for a while. Well, I've been busy. I've been writing a script. I got inspired. Okay, okay, tell him. Give him the pitch. He'll love this script, and it's great. All right, it's a Hollywood story, Griff. A real thriller. It's about a shitbag producer, studio exec who murders a writer he thinks is harassing him. Problem is, he kills the wrong writer. Now he's got to deal with blackmail as well as the cops. But here's the switch. Son of a bitch, he gets away with it. Larry, get off the speaker. I want to talk to him privately. Sure thing. This is a winner, Griffin. It's a winner. Gets away with it? Absolutely. It's a Hollywood ending, Griff. He marries the dead writer's girl, and they live happily ever after. Can you guarantee that ending? If the price is right, you got it. If you can guarantee me that ending, you got a deal. I guarantee it, Griffin. What do you call this thing, anyway? The player. The player. I like that. Cinema 9 Podcast with your host, Eric Brandstrom, Michael Govier, and Travis Roy. Coming to a speaker near you right now. Cinema Night Podcast. What a pleasure it is. We have reunited with our one and true. There was three podcast hosts. Podcast hosts to rule them all. And we need three of them here. And the one who's been missing is back after his hiatus. Everybody, give it up for Eric Branstrom. It's been a long time coming. We've missed you, dude. I know everybody out there's been clamoring for you. We've had emails flying in. Come on. It's so good to have you back. Reunited and it feels so stressful. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for their kind words. Uh, people people missed my presence on the show. Apparently I do something for the uh, broadcast. So really appreciate your uh, feedback. And uh, you know I'm happy to be back. Things have slowed down. This was my last day of school. So I'm uh, hey, congrats. gearing up to return in a, in a major way. Very excited to have you here. Luther Vandross? This is it's the original. Peaches and Herb. Yeah. Pe- peaches and Herb. <laughs> Anybody got any ideas for a band name? Peaches and Herb. <laughs> Everyone yeah, agrees. I mean, you're Herb Williams and I'm Peaches Herb. McLean. That's perfect. Let's do it. Remember? Herb Williams. I, I dropped the H. Yeah. Herb. <laughs> herb. Yeah, no one's... Do people say Herb? Yeah, herb. it's Herb. Peaches and Herb. Herb. Because they're people. Herb. I'm just not five born on herb lumber, I guess. That's my fault. <laughs> yeah, herb lumber. There's no H in herb lumber, though. You're right, but it's just nowhere natural for me. Anyways, anyway. who cares? Eric's All back. Right. So glad yeah, to have you, my back. friend. So. And we're back for a movie you're excited to talk about. We're going to do The Player, which is Travis's selection from last week for today's show. Send an iPod at gmail.com. Send us an email. Five-star review on all standard podcast platforms. Of course, use the YouTube. Uh, check out Travis's music podcast, 9394, a music podcast. Some great episodes in there. Just listen to the Punk and Drumbook episode with our recent guest host on Cinema 9, Steve Guile, G-U-I-L-E. And <laughs> I got to say, that was a uh, that was a flashback. You really 
unleashed a lot of memories that I haven't thought about in a minute because you really, you guys, yeah, you guys were like thick as thieves in high school. You two were really, really close once upon a time. You really were. And it reminded me of that, like, oh, yeah, Steve and Travis, they're doing smoking cigarettes all night and talking about life and how better they are than all of us or whatever. That's, so, that's what we talked about. It's true. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, it was a case. So. <laughs> but it was a good episode. Good stuff over there. I oh, appreciate it, man. I'm, I appreciate you listening and always appreciate the plug on this show. And Eric has been on waiting for you, my friend. Waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear Eric's episode. He got one of the best albums of the 93-94 era that a lot of people would clamor for. So. He did. We did. That's good news. Album. So, uh, That's right. Uh, that'll be edited in due time. Okay. Well, in the meantime, we love movies here, and we have no emails today, but if you want to talk about you're happy that Eric's back or there's a movie that came across our waves recently, we'd love to get your feedback at cinemaninepod at gmail.com. Indeedy. And with that said... Shout out to Christian Hermanski last week for being a guest host. Kind of, uh, you know, we made it work last week. It was one of the more odd episodes we've ever had, but I enjoyed <laughs> it. It worked out well. You two in a kitchen together at your house, and then uh, on sharing a office. mic. Yeah, we were in my office, and we were across my desk, and we were a little drunk. Not not <laughs> drunk, but like no. you know, a couple beers in, and uh, I'm sure it didn't. You couldn't tell at all on the podcast. <laughs> I, I not at all. I thought nope. you guys were very merry, but not very, in a negative way. Very chill. Yes. <laughs> it was a fun episode. It was a fun episode. So check that out. Lean on me. Uh, Eric, did you act, Did you get a chance to watch Lean on me at all? Or do yeah, you have any I watched it in preparation for uh, being able to listen to the episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd never seen it before. I always confuse this with Stand and Deliver, uh, Edward yep. James Almost yep. picture. <laughs> and it uh, turns out uh, Lean on me is also a movie. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't know, dude. Like. From the get-go, I remember, like, bursting out laughing when they just fucking straight up, like, punch that teacher in the stomach just for, like, walking up and being like, hey, what's going on here? Like, they just murder him, and, like, school continues, and, like, nothing shut down. There was a lot of, like, what-the-fuck moment. Like, there's no way you're going to calm all those kids down. Like, I can't calm, like, 19 kids down. There's no way they're just going to shut up. They're just going to keep doing what they're doing. No one's going to be able to do anything at all period ever <laughs> no matter who you are it's all phony baloney horse shit i didn't really care for the picture man morgan freeman fantastic but there was so much like this wouldn't happen like all the teachers <laughs> would just walk out like these teachers that are literally getting murdered on the job you're gonna come in here and be like you guys aren't doing enough they're just gonna be like yeah you know what we're not no they'd all just leave it's it's just unrealistic <laughs> Standing for like a half an hour with their hands in the air in some sort of bizarre torture. Like, oh, yeah, this is my job. This is what I do. <laughs> I just follow orders. Yeah. By the way, I want to clarify something. Christian mentioned on the show last week the scene with the supposed figment of a drug dealer, according to the writers of the script, who shows up with that briefcase and the suit. And yeah. the drug dealer, I watched it again after the fact. And, yeah, he goes into the school. Like, he yeah. works there. That's why I thought I, he was I'm, a teacher. Yeah, I, I totally thought, like, okay, I sold my drugs. I'm going to go back out in the streets. No, he, you're right. No, I, that was really – that's even more bizarre. <laughs> so I'm even more confused now as to what his role is, what his – What explained. department is he in? Is he in, like – uh, Drugs. The, drug the art department. department. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I was a little uh, disappointed. That, yeah. that first yeah. scene, you see this huge sign that, like, they should have just cut to of Malcolm X quote, by any means necessary. So clearly – this character played by Morgan Freeman was trying to emulate the, uh, Malcolm X and his philosophies, and I don't know. That's I a good don't know point. If it was touched on enough, but um, I, right. I would like. To, I have a mea culpa that I said that Michael Imperioli was in Do the Right Thing. He was in Jungle Fever. I apologize deeply for my misinformation. Damn, I'm an untrustworthy source. I'm going to retire from the podcast now. <laughs> I haven't seen Do the Right Thing in a really long time, so I just took your word for it. But I did watch Jungle Fever like a year ago, and I just assumed he was in. He was one of Spike's preferred guys from the get-go, so I, what do I know? I lied. It was an we accidental lied. lie, though. It was. It was a white lie. A little white lie. That's right. Anyways, that movie guy. did happen. Lean on me. Check it out if you want to hear. A white or guy watch. Lied. Actually, we didn't post a video for that one. We will be posting videos for these shows, just not live anymore. Like I said, even though Eric's back, we're not live streaming anymore. But if we have video that'll work, like today, it should be a good video that we could post. So we'll post that. The last one, Air, you know, Christian and Travis were kind of like half in the picture half the time, so it really wasn't quality video. Half I, didn't think. The I don't know. Well, some people, people might just like listen it. on podcast. People, some people just listen on YouTube, though. That's kind of just their preferred platform. That's true. 
Well, hey, let us know. Send him an iPod at gmail.com. What the hell's going on? What are you people thinking? Tell us so we don't have to just wonder all the time. Christ. Yeah. We get a lot of listens, but we don't know who you are or what you want or what you're thinking. <laughs> who are you? What do you want? <laughs> I do know Play that uh, Dave Horning has become a big fan of the show. He loves yeah. this show now. He texted me today. He's like, what's today's movie? He's like really excited. So thanks, Dave. Appreciate yeah, the support. We'll and Dave's done something point. that a lot of you can do if you haven't done it or you're new to the show. You know, a lot of these episodes, they really are mostly evergreen when we talk about a film because it's just our analysis of that film forever, right? So yes. if you want to check out the old shows, they're available. Mm. Right, let's do quarantine viewing picks. Eric, we brought it back, but we've minimized it since you left. It's a little tighter now. I think you'll like this format better. I've been enjoying yeah. uh, what I've been hearing. Uh, I'm excited to, to talk about what I've been watching for the past two months. I'm sure we might go a little long then. We won't. But, Take uh, it away, Travis. <laughs> uh, you know, fuck it. I'm going to watch Shazam 2. I liked the first Shazam, so of course I'm going to watch Shazam 2. And was it as bad as everyone said? No, of course it was not. If you like Shazam 1, you're going to be mildly dissatisfied with the second <laughs> one. Uh, but you're probably not going to hate it if you like the first one. It's not great. It's not great. But uh, it exists. Where did it... Theatrical run? I'm clueless here. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it came out in theaters to the point that uh, Zachary Levi was literally, like, going on Twitter and, like, being, like, please go see my movie. I promise word of mouth is mean. Uh, like, oh, is this man. because of Black Adam? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think, I don't know if that had anything to do with Black Adam, and that might be part of the problem for both of these fucking movies. You know, you've got, like, these integrally uh, related characters, and you're trying to yeah. put them in different movies. It's like, uh, it's like, this is Venom without the Spider-Man symbol. This is stupid. Mm. This is Good stupid. Call. And then um, you got the Flash right around the corner too. So I don't know if this is tied in or not. Or... I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I think it might be actually. It kind of. It kind of feels like the, like they might not be done with him. I I liked the first one quite a bit, and the second one was tolerable. So I liked the, the first one too. So I'm I'm just curious about this, and I wasn't clear where it was coming from. So I need a clarification. Yeah. Thank you. All I know you is know, that Dwayne the Rock Johnson said that Zachary Levi wasn't a big enough star to appear in a cameo in Black Adam. So I'm like, fuck you guys, your ego. Rude. Really? Rude. An alleged kidnapper thinks that he's a. <laughs> alleged. What a fucking asshole. <laughs> um, you know, it's been a weird week for HBO because they're no longer HBO Max. Now they're just dumb old Max with a bunch of Discovery shows no one wants to watch. Uh, and then they wrapped up three in the same week, three huge shows all in the same week. One I've never watched, Succession, which I guess the dude from Veep has nothing to do with. That was another mistake I made last episode. I misunderstood. Uh, misunderstood no, Giles Steve. fed us that story. Yeah, yeah I, I misunderstood him. He texted me later and said that it was, that it was he was just kind of like getting that vibe from the show. It's not oh. the dude himself is not, not involved. So I misunderstood him. Um, so mm. I didn't watch that, but my. That my two favorite shows that have been on for the past four years uh, have both ended in the matter of days, and one being Barry, that I will sing the praises of this show up and down forever. Uh, Bill Hader is an incredible writer. He's a really fucking good director. Um, he might be one of the best directors working, like literally. I mean, I think this dude has a real special eye. I mean, I, I honestly think he probably is a big Robert Altman fan. He's all about like letting action develop, uh, like in the back of the screen, and like all you know. The, yeah. you know all, it's like uh, he draws your eyes to these different places, and it's he's just a really, really talented director. Stephen director, Ruth, and, who I hear is incredible on the show, compared him dude. to the Coen Brothers. Yeah, I, that does not surprise me at all that, that Root would appreciate that. And if you are a Steven Root fan, this is probably the performance of his career. Um, I've only incredible. seen the first two seasons, but uh, I would agree with the first two so far. Dude, and the third season, or the fourth season, is that, like, he goes through changes. I'm going to leave it at that. But, like, there's, it's, uh, it's fucking, I cannot say it enough. If you've, if you've heard that Barry is good and been like, yeah, it looks a little dark, it's just, that's okay. You can handle the darkness. Check it out. It's fucking great. <laughs> Uh, then, of course, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, the the light is Ted Lasso, which has ended. And, um, you know, I I love this third season. I know a lot of people, some people were like, oh, the, the I, I get too much of what I like. It's an hour long instead of a half hour. And that upsets me. And some people were like, oh, people in the world are gay. And I don't like that. But uh, I thought it was a great season. I thought it was a truly great season. Um, I thought they really stuck the landing. It is I think it's really important show and uh, that people, I hope it inspires other shows because it's wholesome, it's inspiring, it's refreshing, and it's not schmaltzy. It's not, you know, it's never overly sentimental. It's not 
pap. It is just a good representation of people that is almost completely void of cynicism, and it's just fucking beautiful. I loved it. And it's funny. And it's funny. And I learned recently, you know, I'm a huge Ted Lasso guy. I haven't seen season three yet but because I just don't have access, but I will get that done mm-hmm. for sure. In fact, I have to watch it with Leanne because she loves that show too, and she doesn't watch anything. But I learned supposedly that Jason Zadekis changed the tenor of the character because when it was first created, he was a much different character for these NBC shorts back in, like sure. I think, 2012 for soccer in yeah. England. Like, for real, a long time ago. It was supposed to be like a parody skit. And he said once Trump got elected, he said he completely flipped the script on this character and wanted to bring something completely opposite of that, kind of like that, you know, the rage and the just cynicism and the lies and all that stuff. Well, I don't yeah. know if that was truly true or not, but he said it recently. So, Yeah, I, I mean, it's I don't think it's an overly political show, but it definitely oh, no. um, it, it very much is just it's just it, it's grounded in wholesomeness, even though it has like swears and that kind of stuff. And it just is, you know. It's not dripping with toxic toxic anything. It's just a bunch of good people and flawed people, flawed characters that I fell in love with over four seasons. Oh, well, that's beautiful. Anything else, Travis? No, that's it. By the way, one of your favorite shows uh, just disappeared and is not coming back either. You said those are two of your favorite shows in recent memory. Mm. You did love The Peacemaker, which just kind of got left for dead, right? Um, it didn't get scrapped from HBO, did it? It's still on there, isn't it? Is that what you oh mean? no! But like another season, we're not. Oh getting yeah, season? yeah. We, I think we talked about this, but they're doing uh, a season of Waller instead, which everyone's clamoring for. Speaking of cynical and dark, everyone's clamoring for a whole fucking show revolving around that character, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. All right, Eric. It's been a long time coming here. The Cinema Nine Podcast. You're back. Tell us what you like to watch or what you don't like to watch. Uh, yeah, I've been out for a long time, so I have to, I, I've had to, I've had the opportunity to see a lot of stuff. So I'll go ahead and start with uh, <clears throat> "Honey, I Blew Up the Kid." <laughs> <laughs> That's what you've been waiting for. <laughs> "Honey, I Blew Up the Kid" is the sequel to "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." Mm. Like the kid gets bigger now. Okay, Rick Moranis <laughs> is back. Now the kid's big. Before he shrunk, now he's big. And they got to deal with it. Uh, I've never up. seen the movie. Like, I, I saw the bad reviews back in the day. I was like, I'm moving on. Like, just because he's big, who cares? This ain't fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. I liked it. It, like, kind of knows that it's, like, you can't compare it to this original. Like, they didn't have the budget. And, like, it it does what it can. And, like, it it's kind of like this really fun, like, B movie. Like, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Like, Roger mm. Corman type movie. So, what they were able to piece together, I... I sat there on uh, HBO Max and enjoyed. Uh, same thing with Tom and Jerry. I like the Tom and Jerry movie. It was a lot of fun. Um, just when you think like this blend of uh, animation and live action is getting tired, like this was fun. I dug it. Uh, it, it <laughs> Dude, Scream 6. I hated Scream 5 so much. I don't know why I turned on Scream 6. I'm like, okay, maybe they're trying something different here. It's in New York. Maybe they're trying something different. We got Ghostface with a shotgun. What, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Horrible. Oh. I almost turned it off. It was oh, it sucked so bad. Like I don't understand what the fuck is going on here. Like, 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 you can only care about characters in like a slasher so much. Like for years <laughs> and years, it's just like you kind of want them to die because that's the fun part of a slasher. Now, like I'm supposed to care about these relationships and like not want anyone to die, which hardly anyone does. It's horseshit. <laughs> Hated part six so much. They need to shut this franchise down immediately. It's fucking god awful. <laughs> Um. Yeah. What else, man, dude? What else have I been watching? Uh. Oh. Oh. I know, now I know what took all my time. Fourteen seasons of Face Off on the Sci Fi Channel. You know this show. Special effects makeup. No oh, one talks yeah. about this program. No one talks about it. And they had fourteen fantastic seasons. It's so fun. You got like uh, all these people that like, they're makeup artists coming together like try to create monsters like a short amount of time and like the judges are like v neil who created beetlejuice and and the penguin and all this stuff then you got guest star guest judges like rick baker coming in and bob england and paul rubens and all these fantastic judges like it's <laughs> so much fun every episode exactly the same like all the makeups look exactly the same <laughs> yeah. for 14 seasons every episode they all look the same like fish monster <laughs> same same monster makeup every single time fish alien yeah. hybrid You're right. but it's fun and uh, that took a lot of time. And I'm back in Curb. I'm already in season six, starting from uh, episode one, bum, season bum, one. Bum. And it's just, <laughs> what can you say? 
other than that, no. Uh, I say, Honey Blew Up the Kid, a lot of fun. <laughs> Definitely a, a poor choice of a title for a, a family I blew, movie. I blew up the kid. <laughs> honey, I massacred the children. No, 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 this is not good. Uh, honey, yeah. I exploded <laughs> the family. No, yeah. no, that, that's not good either. Honey, I blew up the kid. And when you look at the, the cover kid. box, like the the is really small, so it kind of looks like Honey, I Blew the Kid, which is really problematic. <laughs> I mean, wow. the word up is small? Up. Oh, okay. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> what was the uh, joke down. which moniker was poorly <laughs> poorly labeled? Was it Honey I Blew Up the Kid or Punk Like Urson? Oh, uh <laughs> Punk Like Urson was less successful, so I'm gonna say that. <laughs> uh, oh witness. Witness. Are you fucking kidding me? Witness. Oh! I almost watched it again a couple of days ago. It's so goddamn it's so good. It's a good I've movie. Uh, you never seen it? Oh, shit. I watched it a couple years ago. It's a good movie. Solid. Yeah. Kelly Gillis, where have you gone? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's good stuff, Eric. Man, that was that feels right. Everything feels right now. Mm. Instead of Travis going, then me going. Travis goes, then Eric goes. And then, and then for go. me, I don't know. I, I probably watched something, but who gives a fuck? Uh, <laughs> nothing of note that sticks in my mind. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Did, no. Got nothing. Okay. So... Right. Um, did you watch the Anna Nicole documentary on Netflix? I, oh, you know what? I did watch that, and I never got to mention that. I'm glad you brought that up because I thought it was a very, very uh, informative or uh, Not maybe mm. your cup of tea, you might think, like, who gives a shit about Anna Nicole Smith? But mm. let me just say to you that it, it's not what you might think it is. Uh, it's not mm. necess- You know, there's a lot of documentaries that get made today by the people that are behind a person or an entity that want to shape mm. documentaries, which really bums me out. Because the whole point of documentaries were to be objective and give you the information for you to make your own determination. And that's been, like a lot of other things, editorialized and bums me out. You don't think that's happened? They've always been editorialized. Look at Nanook of the North. They've always been, you know, every, every well, no, documentary. I'm not saying they ever... didn't exist. Oh, okay, so the, it's not that they didn't exist. It's just that they seem to be more common than they used to be. I mean, yeah, having a movie, a, a documentary about Val Kilmer written, directed, and starring Val Kilmer is like a kind of a problem, for instance. <laughs> it was still good, though. I liked that great. one, so what can I say? You know? I loved it. I'll take it by a case-by-case basis. That but, makes sense. And Nicole Smith, check it out if you're on Netflix. There's more going on there. I think actually some really honest revelatory points about celebrity and culture today mm. because she kind of mm. led that boom, if you will, of this TMZ. There's always been gossip rags. There's always been yellow journalism. We know all that. But I think I don't have to explain. that she really did love that 100-year-old oil type thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. It turns out that uh, Citizen Kane is still very true to life even today. That's what I learned. Okay. So. Yeah. Even to that. Uh, anything else I watch? I I was really up. I didn't mean to upset you guys uh, about traffic. I I didn't know you guys were really surprised that I talked about traffic. Because guys, for people that don't understand the show on the insides, inside baseball here, if we bring a movie to the table during quarantine viewing picks, we're basically saying that we're not going to bring it to the show. It's really like a ranking set, right? Isn't this kind of like something that's unsaid but true in a way? Not anytime soon, typically. I mean, maybe in a couple years, that kind of thing. Well, right, exactly. It's definitely not on the table in the near future. So yeah. by not from you if you anymore. watch it, you always say, well, well, you've said it too, right? I, I think Eric said it like, well, I'd watch a couple other things, but I don't want to say what they were because it might bring yep. them into the show. And then sometimes I'll be thinking about doing something, then one of you will bring it up in your uh, quarantine viewing picks. I'm like, yeah, well, that's, so that's how he feels about it. All right, I guess I know. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much left unsaid that we'll never know about this show. That's fascinating. <laughs> well, having yeah. said all that crap, Let's get to the main event. Let's dive into this week's Does It Hold Up? Going back to 92, 31 years ago. Uh, 31 years ago, this movie was made. The Player, directed by Robert Altman and starring Tim Robbins and like just every person who was in Hollywood from 1930 to that period of time. Starring humanity. Yeah, starring, (laughs) starring the entire roster of the SAG. Everybody was in SAG, I guess. Right. Quite a huge roster here. Uh, it's supposed to be, well, I'll, I'll save that point. But uh, Travis, you picked this movie, and mm-hmm. I told you how I had kind of stumbled into it on some Siskel and Ebert's, Eats. you know, because I've been rewatching the uh, top ten, worst ten of the years through mm-hmm. the last, well, basically like eighty-five to ninety-eight. And I was like, oh, the player, I've never seen that. That's got to be hilarious. So I was really glad you chose this. But 
you remember the first time you saw it? So I've mentioned a few times that there was a boyfriend of my mom's when I was a kid that would record new stuff on VHS and just kind of bring it over. And this was one of those, um, you know, so it just kind of showed up at my house when it was new with a, a stack of VHS. I had no idea if it was a new movie or an old movie or who Robert Altman was because I was fucking like 11 or 12 or something. Um, but for a few years, I watched this movie over and over and over and over and over again. I watched this a bunch, and then I didn't watch it again. I mean, I probably haven't watched it since, like, the, I don't know, before the 90s were up wow. and uh, until the other night. Uh, partly because I, since I, you know, I really fucking, I saw it a lot. But it was cool to go back and see it because I'm like, oh, that, you know, half the fucking cast, I know who they are now. I didn't know who they were when I was 90, you know, in 92. Or I didn't appreciate, say, like Harry Belafonte or something. I may have heard the name, but I didn't know, like, I didn't appreciate the enormity of who they're walking on, who was walking on screen. So it was, it was fun. Eric, what about you, buddy? Yeah, I rented this in like 1995, and I remember, I still remember yelling at my screen, "You're gonna fucking have Jack Lemon just play piano with no lines?" <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of all I remember about my one and only viewing in the mid 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I never saw this movie, so I don't have a story to tell or a nostalgic recall to kind of feast on. But uh, I've heard of the title many times. Of course, Robert Altman is a very well-known director. That's someone that I um, have grown to like a lot more over the years. I, I don't really remember watching a lot of Robert Altman when I was younger. I just don't, um, even if it was accidental. I was like this in shortcuts. I was all fucking over this in shortcuts. I don't know what. I was such a weird kid. I don't know what's going on. I love it, man. I had the soundtrack of shortcuts. I'm like, I really love Annie Ross. I, don't know. <laughs> I wasn't even a teenager yet. I don't think. Not the father of Atticus Ross. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I don't think there's any relation there. Well, unfortunately, we always pick the score here. We guess the rating on IMDb, which you guys can always rate, which is a fun thing. If you've never heard of IMDb and you watch or listen to this show. That is pretty wild, I would say. Let's say that would be pretty peculiar. But uh, I accidentally <laughs> got exposed. Peculiar. I accidentally got exposed to the score. I know all the tricks of how to avoid yeah. it, too. But it was a new website where I was trying to watch the movie, and it stuck it right in my face. I was like, damn it. So I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to guess high, but not, like, huge high. I'm going to say 7.2. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're low, man. I think... Uh, I think people, I, I, I think this movie has a huge rating, and I don't think a lot of people have seen it recently. Let me put it that way. I, I'd say like 7, 9. No, Travis, much closer. 7.4. <gasps> or 5. Right. Sorry, 7, 5. Sorry. Five. We're right between us then, really. And a, uh, a modest you know, 63,000. It's not even at 100K for ratings. So that's a little lower. It was a big hit when it came out. I remember, like, you know, being kind of a big deal. But it's not a movie people talk about, you know. Like, and if they do, it's like, oh, that one with all the cameos. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to say, Travis, because I know a thing or two about movies. I watched a lot of movies in my life, mm. and I haven't had any discussions about the player. No, I don't recall a moment in time, even if it wasn't memorable. Like, hey, dude, have you seen the player? Let's talk about this. And it just hasn't happened mm. in my life. Yeah. Mm. Well, I guess that's why I thought it'd be fun to bring it back. And, and it's funny that both of you had kind of had this on your radar in terms of wanting to bring it to the show. This has been on my list of movies to bring to the show for, I don't know, two years. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've been waiting. Yeah. I was waiting for it to be streaming on something. You know me. I'm a cheap ass. I'm like, oh, whatever. That's true. I'm not going <laughs> to avoid paying a random movie. I'm going to do it. You're always thinking of us uh, less fortunate. Appreciate that. And uh, Self-serving, I promise. <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, we always give you the scores and the critical reviews. 97% from the critics. That's outstanding. Wow. Even to this day. Wow. Big. Uh, 84%, though, from the audience. A little less, but still uh, nothing to be upset about. You know Hollywood. Sport. They love movies about Hollywood. <laughs> this is a movie about Hollywood. If in case you, some reason you're listening or watching the show and you've never watched the movie, it is about Hollywood. Uh, the most deeply cynical movie about Hollywood. Yeah, apparently it wasn't <laughs> even cynical enough though. Robert Altman said uh, maybe we should have made this even more cruel because Hollywood loved it. Nominated for awards. Uh, let's see. David Anson of Newsweek back in 2008 said, "Hilarious and deadly. This may be Altman's most completely realized film." 
since his glory days in the 70s. Yeah, I can kind of see that. His, the 80s was not a good run for Altman that I can think of. What was his 80s? No, I can Popeye. That's all I can yeah. remember. Ah! Yeah. Oh, no. This was kind of a return to form. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Actually, that makes more sense because I can't even think of an 80s Robert Altman film that he directed. Uh, well, how about yeah. Aria? Did you ever see that one, 87? No. Fool for Love in 1985? Well, maybe I'm not a, mm. informed enough on his stuff in the era. <laughs> Secret Talk Honor in 1984? I don't, these, I don't know any of these movies. Neither do I. I guess I got to dig in. I, I did think it was funny that they, the script at least made it a point to like poke fun at Heaven's Gate, which, you know, is sacrilege. Yes! <laughs> I love that. But Popeye lost more money than Heaven's Gate, and that's a Bob Altman film. So I yeah. would have appreciated him maybe poking a little fun at himself. Yeah, and it was the same year, too. Good call. 1980. Uh, Help, other... Helping to purport that, helping to purport that myth and get the, you know, getting the, the lens off of his own failure. <laughs> uh, oh, that's lame. Variety staff. Come on, put a name on it. I don't want the staff review. No, I want a no, name. Roger Ebert. Back in 2004, for some reason, a movie about today's Hollywood Hilarious and heartless in about equal measure and often at the same time. He loves it. Hmm. Four out of four stars. He was a big fan. I would ex I would expect him to be. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Peter Travers, Rolling Stone in 2001 said, Altman sticks it to every target, himself and us included, with a wicked zest that hurts only when you laugh. Man, how early do I bring this up? Well, your face is already really uh, expressing I how know. you feel. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before you, before you bring it up, strained. I got one more review I got to read, and I want you to bring it up, because this is Please. from Dustin Thompson. Oh. Dustin! All right. Just in yes. time. Man, it's been a while. Dustin Thompson, back in, it looks like this was in the 90s. Uh, so this is early, Dustin. The player is a rare commodity. It's brilliant and a guilty pleasure. <laughs> All right. Great. Um, a lot of critics saying that this is fucking really funny and hilarious. Mm. Is it? No. Once. No, not funny at all. Not funny what at all. This? Not even a little bit. I didn't. I admit, that was a point I made. Like I thought this is gonna be. I'm like, oh, it's a satire, and I'm like so much wiser now. I'm 42. This is gonna be yeah, really I, funny. And I never laughed. It's a satire without comedy. But they, it doesn't even seem like they were going for like jokes right. and humor, unless like you're laughing because Burt Reynolds is there, and you're like, "Oh, he's playing Burt Reynolds," which isn't funny. I mean, it's <laughs> funny that he calls him an. That is a funny part, though. He's like, he calls him like a special breed of asshole, and they're breeding them now, and all that kind of. That was pretty. That's funny, a but... key difference, though. Yeah, there's funny parts, but there's nothing that made me laugh out loud. Right. Right. No, like, oh, that's funny. Like, oh, that's funny. I don't get it. It's oh, not that's a funny. This is Bob Altman. Like, MASH is funny. Uh, Nashville is really funny, among many other things, but I, I don't understand. This is like the most joyless, dour <laughs> experience I've had in a long time. Like, what mindset would a person have to be in to sit down and watch this movie and think it was funny, frankly? I, thank you. That's a good point, too. I also thought, to branch off this point, that... Maybe the script, I mean, it's the dialogue. I mean, there's some good dialogue. There's some really great moments, too. But I also feel like, I mean, how much improv improvisation was allowed because there were so many cameos here? Like, you know, there had to have been a balance between what the script was in terms of the bones of the concept right. and then what words mm -hmm. were actually said on screen. you got to leave room for Jeff Goldblum to mutter about the Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. Trying to figure out who Gozer is. That was uh yeah, hilarious. Yeah, Brian James I don't know. references his own movies, DOA. And like, oh, is he in that? Yeah, it's I guess he funny. was. It's too funny. There's a lot of like know. inside jokes here that you yeah. kinda need to be somewhat of a movie buff. At the very least, I actually almost think this movie was made for critics in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm, possibly. It's very masturbatory in that sense. Um like, like, there's a lot of like buzz, buzzwords going on here. Like, talk about last year's hit, and, like Pretty Woman and Ghost. I guess that's what everyone was laughing at because it was so recent and fresh, and like you never really heard that in a movie before. But I'm watching this 31 years later. And I'm like, fuck, they did it better two years later with Last Action Hero. One year later, Last Action Hero, when it comes to this biting Hollywood satire, I wasn't getting it. 
Yeah. I, I think I, I get the satire in that I get like um, the subversion and what they're doing and, and like the point that's trying to be made. But it, I, I, mean, I literally feel like it's, I mean, it's, I, I define satire to my students all the time when I'm teaching a Mark Twain and stuff. I'm like, well, you know, it's comedy designed to make people think about power structures and that kind of thing. And then like I'm watching this, I'm like, well, there's no comedy here. So I guess I got to really change my definition of satire. Uh, famously hard <laughs> to define, I guess. <laughs> I'm, and I'm sorry, like, what is this doing that uh, like Barton Fink didn't do the previous year or Same Sunset office. Boulevard and Singing in the Rain no. didn't do 40 years before this? Like, what is this doing that's new in terms of turning the lens on Hollywood and saying, oh, yeah, all they care about is money? Like, what else are they bringing to the table except, yeah, they this is all a commodity and art versus commerce is always a bitch. I, I wasn't seeing it. Movies now more than ever. <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of fun bits too like yeah that office was the same one in barton fink that uh his office at the on the lot and that lot mm -hmm. used to be uh what's his face is coppola's zoetrope studios lot and oh. all that stuff and then they the opening shot though like Dude. Yeah, that's, a, that's legendary man that's legendary it's one of the most amazing shots i've ever seen on film that's not think, an understatement. <laughs> no, think about it. I mean, think about everything that's happening in that one. Like, people go, oh, remember that time when uh, Martin Scorsese goes from outside <laughs> into a building? And then you compare it with this. I mean, the man goes from, like, window to window to conversation to conversation, zooming in to, like, a specific piece of paper lying on the ground, then, like, a uh, uh, fucking overhead shot that covers the whole lot, and then back down again. It's it's dizzying mm -hmm. but it's i think it might literally be the most technically amazing accomplishment of a shot i've seen on film that i'd never appreciated <laughs> until watching it the other night i was like holy fucking shit and then fred ward makes that joke about like we don't want any cuts <laughs> yeah he's literally talking about touch of evil yeah. and like other tracking shots in the shot i love yeah, fred ward in awesome. this it's great to see fred ward in here just kind of being oh, the yeah. the security funny. tough for the studio and, and you know actually Slash lackey Right, of course. Yeah, <laughs> even more so. Really I think right? that's. I don't need to wait to make that point, I guess, but I did want to make it when you were talking about how funny this movie was. But to have the ending bring this movie together, it you need that ending a lot. I feel like you actually really need it, at least for me, oh, because yeah. it it really drives home the absolute satire and harshness and you know ice queen mentality if you will of all these people who are cold-hearted and don't give a fuck and it's all bottom line you get shit out we move on you know i, I was thinking yeah. you mentioned it on the show last week uh, swimming with sharks a movie that came out in 95 mm -hmm. six six i think yeah six was my initial gut so i'll go with you but i it's been a long time since i've seen swimming with sharks i'll admit that maybe yeah, it's a great yeah. one for this film uh for the show we should do it but I remember, you know, a lot of laugh out loud moments in Swimming with Sharks. So that's when I think about how funny this movie was. I didn't get that at all. But at the same time, the message here I thought was a little bit more sustaining, but I had to have the ending to see Tim Robbins become just the absolute antithesis of what he was in terms of this paranoid guy who was freaked out about losing his job and that he killed someone that he was going to be arrested for murder he that all gets flipped around and now he's having kids with the wife or the girlfriend of the guy he killed and he fucking lets his pal get fired and doesn't give a fuck about it, it that you need that to bring this home yeah his former oh, yeah. girlfriend yeah yeah he is mm -hmm. like he's monstrous and he's the protagonist and he wins and that is uh, an important thing to happen in the movie for sure yeah, it was a big otherwise deal for no, me. Otherwise, I never, no as a first-time viewer, as a first-time viewer, I was like, "Oh shit, okay, cool," because I really didn't want to look up the book or anything that this was based on. I just wanted to find out. I want to go in fresh, and yeah. that he, hit me hard. He not only doesn't get his comeuppance, he pays off his blackmailer and like <laughs> is buddying, almost like chummy about it. Like, yeah, it's cool, dude. Everything worked out. And one of my favorite things about all that is that you know he's taken Levinson's seat. He's taken Brian James's seat, and it's like you watch him. He's like, "Oh, well, he ended up on top." But like, for how long? This is such a delicate, <laughs> like, precipitous kind of position that he's in. Like, yeah, he came out on mm -hmm. top, but for all you know, next week he's like on the on the curb. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and how about uh? It's cool to see young Richard E. Grant. You know, a mm -hmm. younger version of him. Yeah, yeah, he was great in it. Yeah, that was a nice surprise. He was fantastic. Probably the best acting I've seen in the, saw in the film. It was really fun. Totally sold out his vision too. By the end, yeah. you, mm -hmm. I mean. 
Yeah. Is that the best? Yeah. You think about, we could probably come up with a list of the best movies within a movie, you know? <laughs> There's been a lot of those. <laughs> this was Corpus? Yeah, exactly. You get this massive scene at the end that we watch, although we're watching a movie. And then, of course, Richard E. Grant's character sold out, and Bruce Willis does come in to save the day. It's just Paul so Dooley funny. playing the uh, fucking warden is like so perfect. And like Ray <laughs> Walston is the priest. It's like the most perfect casting possible. Peter yes. Falk is a reporter. Like it's just ridiculous. It's like this yep. is all the most, the best possible <laughs> casting. It's like it's so for so, so Oscar perfect. bait. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> so Hollywood. traffic was a bitch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's funny now, but like yeah, I didn't laugh then. But it is funny. It's wry. The I, movie's wry. I mean, it's thirty-one years ago, and the, that the joke that Richard E. Grant says is that what uh, to test audience in some like Palookaville town in California. That literally happens to this day. They will test like just like random people that don't even maybe give a fuck about movies yeah. or have no intellect in terms of film criticism and change entire films based on what this focus group says about the ending. It's real. <laughs> it's yeah, real. The audience, the audience wrote, the, wrote the ending. That's right. <laughs> because that's real. Yeah. <laughs> that really happens. I love Peter Gallagher as uh, Larry Levy here, and he's like complaining about how well uh, writers are paid. Like, oh, this is ridiculous. Why are we why why are we paying these writers so much? And the, the movie starts with with Griffin Mills being bored to tears by Buck Henry. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fucking hilarious. Henry. The graduate too. <laughs> the graduate too. That's, That's funny comedy. that Buck Henry would do that, because yeah. those who don't know, he was the original writer on that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh to use one of the Cinema Nine podcast's favorite words, this is very uh prescient. Mm. Because we're in a landscape now where we're talking about having computers write scripts. Yeah. And one of the lines in the movie is Griffin literally saying that we need to eliminate the writer from the artistic process. <laughs> Here we are. Which is literally happening right... On we have literally AI scripts being discussed seriously, and we're in the middle of a writer's strike, which is halting countless productions in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So the, the writer has never really been the focal point uh at any other time probably in history right now oh they've always been underserved and underappreciated yeah and comparing it to now which you know that's what we do on the show the what's changed so much is that the rise of television you know streaming has opened up this huge additional <laughs> yeah. market now where you know tim robbins character griffin lays it out real clear about what his job is about he gets fifty thousand different you know different scripts during the year mm -hmm. and he's got to pick 12 because that's mm -hmm. all they could afford and i just couldn't help but think like wow i guess that was still true but with the rise of streaming now and i think about the writer strike and all these other parts you just mentioned eric that the market is it is larger there's actually never been oh, a better yeah. time to get more stuff out there than there than now yeah no it's true <laughs> yeah, especially with the documentary i had to laugh too and <laughs> yeah one of the lines is uh like Griffin in disbelief that they're seriously considering having a TV star in a major motion picture. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Again, that's funny, but I didn't laugh in the moment. And that's no, I'm laughing because now that's all. Yeah. You know, it does not fucking matter. The movie star is dead. Well, but also, I mean, I think it. it may, I mean, look at who they saw as the big star in the movie that they made, Habeas Corpus, Bruce Willis, mm -hmm. a TV star mm -hmm. turned movie star. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's an accident. Yeah. Oh, because <laughs> Griffin Mills is wrong about a whole bunch of shit. Remember, he's trying to set up Larry Levy with yes. this script, and instead, it, it turns mm. out to be exactly what the studio wants and what the people want, and all. And like, it's like he's he's right because he's wrong. <laughs> Griffin Mills, like, he's really kind of an idiot. He's wrong, <laughs> and he ends up benefiting because he's in charge, even though that right. wasn't his plan. You're right. Exactly. I, exactly. That's something I love about this film is. It is so so not, and I know Altman's doing this intentionally, and he thrives on that. There's. He is not trying to play into what you expect will happen in the typical movie formula, even though he is playing with those within the jokes and the satirical moments about the industry itself. It's it's really convoluted, but it, it does work. It does. Yeah. I'll say this. Um, I wondered sitting down to watch this movie if I was going to feel a, about one particular character the same way I felt growing up, which is uh, Jane Goodman's daughter. As a kid, I was always like, this movie would be significantly better if this character was removed from the film. And I still feel the same. I just am so bored by um, the whole, like, I don't, that, I don't find the actress dynamic at all. I do like that she creates art for herself instead of profit. And that's Are you talking about the Icelandic? Uh... Yeah, Jane Goodman's oh, okay. daughter. The uh, Icelandic oh, Greta Queen. Skaki? Greta Skaki? Yeah, Greta Skaki. Uh, yeah, I've never heard Skaki, of her. But, yeah, yeah she's, she's been around, but, like, uh, just, like... 
that I'm so glad you brought that up, man. Um, let, let, okay, let's say this. Let's say you take all like these celebrity cameos and you don't have a Bob Altman that can phone in all these favors and you just have to like have the audience go with the fact that these random actors are huge stars, okay? A, I don't think anybody gives a shit about the movie and B, with this love interest, it's like a fucking episode of the Red Shoe Diary. <laughs> There's so much emphasis put on this dead, boring, showtime, Cinemax r romance that does, is just dead on arrival. There's there's nothing here that I have not seen before, man. I'm sorry. It's, it's just a, a meth. It's a means for him to, like, move on from his uh, current partner and, like, fixate on this whole Kahane thing. But mm -hmm. I don't I don't know how much of it's the writing, but I, I think definitely the acting like I, I, in a movie that's literally crammed full with some of the greatest actors of the era. I'm sorry. I just like I find like her performance just really dull and really flat. Yeah. yeah. Hell of a sex yeah. scene, too. They have yeah. later in the movie. The most dude up close sex scene of all time. It. I paused it. I paused it with 18 minutes to go in the movie. Tim Robbins not only is not like in this like horribly tumultuous situation where what's going to happen he's like fucking having sex and enjoying himself it's like I, I, I lose a lot of care for this character because like he never really seems like he's in that much danger are we supposed to care about the character I think we're supposed to, de to detest the character and that whole scene is like extra awkward because he's literally telling her oh I, I killed your husband while, he's, yes! while they're coming like it's my, he says it's my fault I'm responsible yes yes As and they end orgasm. up together having fucking kids yeah, um, they are. She is. An I guess engaging is the the better word for me to use because <laughs> I, okay, Bob Altman's known for these intersecting stories. Uh, I find shortcuts to be fucking laborious. I don't blame you. But I love Nashville and Gosford Park and even uh, Vanity Fair. I love all these these characters that get their own segments, but he doesn't do it here. And he, in my opinion, he really should have because you have. You've got the Lyle Lovett character and Whoopi's character, and you've got Vincent D'Onofrio's ah! character and Cynthia Stevens. Yeah. I would go for like 20 minute segments of all of these people and what they have to say about the world that they live in, this Hollywood landscape. But I just get this <laughs> doll Griffin character. Lyle Lovett is the, dates this movie more than anything, in my opinion. We get so <laughs> many scenes of him lurking. I'm like, lurking, dude, this guy is creeping. not a good actor. This is a fucking fluke in time. Could we gotten someone else for this part? You had access to everybody in Hollywood. Could you got anybody but him? And also, like, you have all of these cameos for these hugely recognizable actors. And you take Whoopi Goldberg and put her in, like, like when she's handling the Oscar, I'm like, well, that's Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Like, yes. obviously, like, like, yeah. like, like, you needed, you know what I mean, for that role. I, mean, I think she actually does fine Absolutely. in the, she does okay in the role. But, like, because it's fucking Whoopi Goldberg it, and with all these other huge stars, it's, like, distracting. You needed someone so, that, like, that, like, which yeah. is why he probably went with Breta Scocci or whatever her name is, like, someone not mm -hmm. as huge. To like, you know what I mean? Like he needed someone like that for that character, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I'm watching the movie. I'm like, oh, she's going to talk about how she just won it for Ghost. Oh, she's not playing Whippy right. Goldberg. Yeah, it, it was truly baffling for <laughs> me. It was the Sidney Pollock that he wasn't Sidney Pollock because there was right. discussions earlier in the film. He has a quick discussion with somebody, and then later on, he's the lawyer. He's not Sidney Pollock. You're right. That how often is does really he, tough. How often does he play a lawyer named Dick? I feel like that's really often. Is that right? <laughs> I feel like it's often. <laughs> <laughs> At least playing a lawyer. Yeah, he, he's fucking around suspenders. here a lot. There's like, there's like dumb stuff that people wouldn't even know. Like supposedly, you know, when they go to the event for the museum to donate the films, and they have that whole thing yeah. there, and <laughs> was talking uh, to his speech. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's great. That's really great. Also, by the way, uh, you know, Tim Robbins, I guess, was chosen because he wasn't as a huge star. For mm -hmm. that was on purpose. I mean, we did Jacob's Ladder on this show back. And that was in 1990, Absolutely. right? So, yeah, 1991. Yeah. So he he mm. was start. I mean, he did Bull Durham what 91. So he was oh, like this that was, was 88. This, yeah, yeah. So. That was 88. Okay. Yeah. So he was certainly a known commodity, but he wasn't like starring in a lot of movies. I think. I think Jacob's yeah. Ladder was probably about it by this point. If I had to guess, but I don't know. I don't know for certain. Okay, that's fair. But there's just like a lot of stuff that you, if you don't know movies and you're not connected to some of the stuff about Hollywood, you might be really in the dark on this film. I could see someone who's like, oh, I'm just watching this film because I'm going to sit down and watch a film that has all these people in it. And you might be like, what the fuck is going on? Like that Jeremy could very Pippen well happen. By. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, Martin Mole plays a extra. There's a scene in the movie where Martin Mole is literally just in the background, like eating lunch. I'm like, there he is, Martin Mole. <laughs> <laughs> See, I got to be in that Altman film. I did it. I made it. Uh, so funny. 
Um, yeah, what else? What else about this film, folks? What else? Um, well, what's your favorite cameo? What's your favorite appearance or performance? Hmm. That's a good question. I have to say, for me, while you guys think of, think it over, when uh, Malcolm McDowell walks up and is like pretty much like, when you have shit to say, say it to my face. That's pretty mm-hmm. fucking. That's yeah, great. I, like that. I love that. I moment. like that. That was a good one. Good call. Yeah. Yeah, I might I might join you on that. that frankly. One. Yeah. I, I think oh, well, there's so many of them. That, like, the Burt Reynolds one. <laughs> we already covered the Burt Reynolds one. I yeah. love seeing that. That was great. So yeah. probably Burt Reynolds. Yeah. But you know, there's is there any music in this film, by the way? Thomas Newman. Uh, kind of calling forth what he's going to be doing in LA a little bit later with American <laughs> Beauty and very kind of some similar themes. Bong. Yes. Bong. That's exactly what I thought of, Travis. That's exactly the movie I thought of the moment I hit. I heard that movie sound, yeah. the, the theme. Yeah. That unsettling bong sound. <laughs> yeah, like those, those certain type of drums. Yeah. I, I, I was like, oh, is. American Beauty. Gong. Okay. Yeah, it's very. Amer- this is definitely a precursor to American Beauty, um, almost too much so, actually. And, uh, and by the way, Vincent D'Onofrio is awesome. As he, you know, it's short lived, but the time he gets yeah. on screen as that writer, yeah. he was just dynamite. He was outstanding in that role. You buy it. You really buy the character. Oh hell yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, for me, I kind of didn't give that much of a fuck about these postcards and like this mystery. It kind of it kind of gets lost for me because there's so much stuff going on here and I'm like I don't really give a fuck who this person is now I I wonder if that's partly of course because like remember he's been getting these for months and he's kind of just throwing them in a drawer and they're like background for him and he only kind of starts to fixate on him when his when he feels like his career is threatened when he's literally going to the secretary to find out like do I need to be looking for another job mm-hmm. um so I think that he's like trying to take control over something in his life, and like when he comes up with with Kahane's name, like it's so weird. Like he just I, he like pulls it out of a fucking hat. I'm like he just goes <laughs> through like his secretary's shit and like just comes up with his name, and it's like yeah. it's just he, and it's he's just trying to like create some level of control. And it's funny that his approach is like I'm gonna try and befriend this guy and like buy him off and make his movie for him and 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 then like as soon as uh, uh Kahane brings up the threat of Larry Levy, then you see like the animal unleashed because that's what he's really on about. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think it was smart to have that side story in there to give him a little bit of modus operandi. Yeah. yeah. But fifty thousand pitches per year, and he's got a Rolodex that he goes to immediately and finds this guy. Well, that's a, that's the point. It was the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty obvious to me that that was probably going to happen because he's so manic about it. Yeah. Um, also, Robert Altman wrote all those cards. He did all the postcards himself, folks. Just in case you care about that. Who's the voice? Who's the voice of the? It's Black the Man guy or? who does. The funeral speech uh, that gives the eulogy at his funeral. Yeah. That writer yeah. that ends up being him. <gasps> that was him. Yeah, and he's the guy on the voice at the end, yeah. That's so funny. I had no idea. I had to look that up. I had no idea. I I mean, he talks at length in the movie, but I guess I just didn't... He's mostly talking over the phone when he's the blackmailer, and he just sounds like an older guy, I guess. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, that's him. (laughs) And then... uh, I see your point, though, Mike. Like, it, it got me initially. I'm like, oh, I'm into this. Like, anytime there's a movie... I call it a creep comes around. Like, that's the genre, <laughs> where a creep comes around, you got to deal yeah. with him. Those are always my favorite thrillers. And it starts out like, oh, what's going to happen here? Then the postcards keep coming, and they keep coming. It's like they don't really know what else to do. you got a lot of other stuff going on that you, I am into as the viewer, so it's like, yeah, I don't really care. Whoever this ends up being kind of seems like a moot point. As a first-time viewer, I say that. No, I think yeah. I think it's kind of a, it's a bit of a MacGuffin. Like, uh, um, <laughs> and, some, and sometimes it's just trying – yeah, I think it's literally like creating tension and stuff. The whole uh, – I've got a fax machine in my car, and it's going to point <laughs> down to the snake that just put the lid back on, asshole. Uh, you don't have to, but, you know, he's he's got issues. He's got to beat the snake with an umbrella. Oh, you got to stick up for that snake. I appreciate that. Also, a great point in this film. It's a minor detail, but it is a really, for me, I loved it when I read about it. The woman who plays his girlfriend initially, when they have the hot tub scene and you see her breasts, but apparently sure. she was chosen on purpose because she'd never been asked to be nude in a film prior to that. And Robert Altman wanted her to be that woman and then not show 
the other woman supposedly this is how it was played out and then paul newman had a great quote about it because the other woman that we see griffin getting with is super up close and she didn't want to be nude on camera so in a way it's it's not giving you what you want in terms of being a viewer i, I found that to be pretty weird but also very true <laughs> in a lot of ways paul paul newman i'm confused paul newman didn't agree paul with newman scene oh paul newman had a this? comment paul newman's quote was about like uh the tits you see are the tits you don't want to see, and that's what's so genius about it. I'm serious. Go look it up. Google the quote. It's real. He's talking about he's talking about this movie. Yeah, he's talking about that woman uh, in the hot tub, as opposed right. to the other woman who's acting we don't enjoy. But oh, has imagine living more... the rest of your life being like knowing, hey, Paul Newman told the world he didn't want to see my tits. <laughs> that's rough. He wanted to see. But the, the woman herself, the actress herself, said that no one had ever asked her to be nude in a film, and she was shocked when Robert Altman asked her to. So I don't even remember her being nude in the picture. I must have looked away. It's just away that, in that one moment. hot tub scene. It's very brief. So. Mm. I, I I want to give a shout out to the audio um, for all of these. You're always getting these pushes through conversations, and then we'll like pick up part of the conversation, and then the camera like zooms through that conversation to another conversation. You've got to listen, and then like the audio is always following that. Um, as 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 masterful as Altman is with these long pushes from afar, uh, he's got a great great uh, audio crew working with him for this movie that really made it work. That's a great point. Classic Altman technique: the talk mm -hmm. over. Uh, attributed to Altman, but Howard Hawks was doing that uh, long before oh, sure. that. My particular favorite little Altmanism is when you've got this long scene of Tim Robbins and Brian James at the the, the restaurant, and like the cyclists take like ten minutes <laughs> right? to walk by I the love camera, it. and they just I love go with it. it. <laughs> well, it seems like it was like okay, now you walk through, obstruct the shot. Yeah, <laughs> Brian. Yeah, but it makes the world yeah. seem like it's existed before and will exist after this film. It's very lived in. Yeah, so will I love it. <laughs> and while you're on uh, Brian James, I, I love, love like the, as a studio exec, like his one question is, "Do they screw?" Exactly. <laughs> See? Oh, of course, we gotta have some sex in here. Yeah, that's to the whole point about the girl and everything. By the way, there's so many damn people in this movie that you can't even keep track. It, Randall Battenkoff plays this douchebaggy, rich son of a banker. Just total. Oh, Meg Ryan's so married. Fuck, funny. man. This fucking asshole they all got to put up with because his dad has money. Yeah. Now he's a producer. That's right. <laughs> oh. That's beautiful. Predatory. Also, Gina Gershon's in this movie. Yeah. Popping in. Yeah, she is. Popping in. Lots of pop-ins. There's lots of, you know, it's uh, nothing but pop-ins. Nothing but yeah. pop-ins in this film. Nothing but pop-ins. <laughs> all right. Well, do we have well any other... I got an I got an answer to my favorite cameo now. I just realized it. Oh, okay. Is to see younger Gary Busey in the background of a shot. He never says anything, but you yeah. see him looking around. He's got a mullet going, he and does. I'm like that is awesome. That's the one for me. Yeah, he's just there. at, yep. the, at the show. He's got a very intense look on his face. <laughs> that's that's the movie. Lots of intense faces from actors not speaking. Yeah, Nick Nolte. <laughs> all right well am i uh am i starting this off we're gonna do our round here i'll start it off um robert right. altman is one of the best directors working he is not one of the best writers working never has <gasps> been um i think that in my opinion he's not i mean i think he's better calm down eric it's okay uh <laughs> i think he's better as you say at weaving stories together having kind of a direct sort of uh so i think the script is a little um the focus is more on the satire and that the, the commentary i guess is what i'm saying the commentary rather than the comedy um but this is a really i think strong performance from tim robbins he's uh he's furative and like laid back and then uh jazzed up and then murderous and then sad he, he he runs like the full gamut of emotions to this movie but he does it all like with this kind of cold fish feeling about him you know what i mean like even when he's like the deepest dark parts of himself like you still like like there's just something disconnected about the character almost sociopathic and i don't really see that in him in other movies so i feel like it's something very deliberate that he's bringing to the role so i think his i think his performance here gets a little crowded literally with other actors that kind of draw attention from him so i think it's an incredible performance i think it's an incredible incredible piece of direction i don't know that i was missing a ton and not revisiting it in the past 30 25 years 
but I'm, I am really glad that I revisited it. So I'm going to say that it holds up if you've seen it when, you know, if you've never seen it or if it's been a long time since you've seen it, it's fun to like go through and see all these cameos and it's certainly worth the revisit. Is it the best movie you've ever seen? Absolutely not. <laughs> Does it hold That's up? What I said it holds up. There it is. Um, yeah, man, I was, I've just been on my short list forever. I was excited to go back because we've talked about it a lot in terms of it, whenever we talk about Hollywood satire, it comes up. And I watch it and this morning, and like I said, it's just I expected a lot more. Um, it, it, in the long run, it what what it really reminded me of, and I and I'm betting that studios picked up on this film success and tried to get something like it going. It reminded me of like an episode of Tales from the Crypt without like blood <laughs> and guts, because it's like fun and fresh, cameo heavy, satirical, but like. I just didn't find the film captivating. Boring romance, cliched Hollywood jabs, in my opinion. Nothing I've nothing that I haven't heard before. Nothing that really seemed fresh. Hollywood's a bunch of assholes. All they care about is fucking money. Uh, so yeah, in that department, I, I was a little lax. I was most impressed by the film noir aspects, like like like. Uh, when when D'Onofrio comes in and this murder happens, I'm like, oh yeah, uh, this is this is fantastic. Where's this going? Uh, like, there's, there's this like like very frail, limp investigation where they're coming in and out at like weird <laughs> intervals and not like ha even half give a fuck that somebody was murdered, uh, especially the guy's goddamn live-in <laughs> girlfriend. Um, yeah, I don't know. The script wasn't there for me. I can appreciate Bob Altman coming back and having a lot of fun. And it is fun to see these faces. But that's all it was for me, man. Doesn't hold up in my opinion. I'm glad I revisited. So now I, I can succinctly say that eh, it's kind of a film of its time. Bit of a museum piece. If I could jump in real quickly, I thought that I wanted to make earlier that I forgot to make just real quick before you make your final thoughts, Mike. I do also really like that the people in in Griffin's world, like Fred Ward's character and the lawyer, everybody, like they suspect that he's done it, that he's guilty, and they do not care. They just want him to get away with it and move on. Like they're way more, like they're not bothered at all. They're Everyone's just like, that's fine. It's cool. Kill people. Just don't be obvious about it. That's a great point. <laughs> I never saw this movie, so it was a first time for me, and it's by a legendary director, so you have to like it. There's really no option, <laughs> uh, especially if you're a movie buff and you're into film and you've watched a lot of movies in your life and you know a thing or two about Hollywood insights. And if you watch a lot of Entertainment Tonight, will you love this film? Uh, first off, I don't even know if Entertainment Tonight's still on the air, so I, that's pointless. <laughs> Also, that wouldn't have been a story <laughs> on that show. <laughs> like, yep, what? you're right about that. A big gala event about movies took place. That's not going to take like 10 minutes on entertainment tonight. <laughs> Get on down to the dove. All right. So, um, boy, movie drags a lot for me. And, you know, I can be entertained and it could be, as Travis said, it was very wry. That's a wry film. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good term for this film. Right. There are a lot of points where I love it. So I'm like, oh, that's so true. That's the way it is. We need to have that on the record more often. There's a lot of examples of, you know, the cynicism and the cruelty and the harshness of this business. And one of the best parts, we didn't mention this, is when they're sitting at a table and they're like, Tim Robbins is like, can we talk about something other in Hollywood? And then everyone, <laughs> there's a pause and everyone has a laugh. Like, there's no fucking way that would ever happen because we're all so far up our own asses and that to me actually that might have been the thing that rang true the most because the things that happen yeah. in the world of entertainment in hollywood are some awful shit and the only way awful shit can happen is because people are so into this uh industry or this world that they put this world before they actually put people's lives and that that is just so true to this day in 2023. That has not changed, in my opinion. There might be some surface things. There might be some slight adjustments where there's been some improvements. But it's still about the business first, people second. And I think for me, that's probably enough to let it, that it holds up. I have to say it holds up. Even if it's kind of a... I'm not rushing to watch it again, but it is a, an important film. So just for that alone, I'm going to say it holds up. A little bit of a bore at times, but hey, it's going to happen with Altman sometimes. 
it's worth seeing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> well, there it All is. Right. We did Our it. first uh, full episode in what a month? Not that. Yeah. Long. Well, sh- boy, last time we had Aircon, more than yeah, it's been it's been a minute. Well, it's good it's to be back in, in, in full like Voltron formation. Let's hum all the songs we know from every show. Days into stone too, so our fans can expect a Friday morning release on their website. <sighs> all right, well, thank you so much, everybody. Cinemanipod.gmail.com. Before we go, uh, Eric, welcome back. It's your turn, buddy. What's it going to be next week? I've been struggling <laughs> with this pick. Do I bring it on? Am I going to get chastised? Will I be able to sleep tonight if I announce wow. this as next week's pick? Life is about taking <laughs> risks, so I am going to go for it. Uh, got another big cast. We got another monster cast, and we are in 1994, a film that I think deserves its day in court after this amount of time. You may have, oh I, I guarantee you have a preconceived <sighs> opinion about the picture. Everybody does, but is it good? After all, from uh, director Oliver Stone, a screenplay by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, Natural Born. Oh, wow, shit! I thought you were going with okay. JFK. Natural Born Killers. All right. You know what? I have the Oliver Stone DVD collection of his films up until 2004, which somewhere around here. The pre. But I never stuff? actually saw this movie. <laughs> I've seen a billion Oliver Stone movies on repeat, but I never actually sat down and watched Natural deal. Born Killers. I never did. This is the one of big I'm, deal. Months this is easily the, the one I've seen the most deal. by far. It's yeah. It's just wow. This is a great call, man. You guys are on fire. These are excellent choices for me, at least. All right. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I think it's a good choice. Good call, Eric. All right. Well, yeah, me too. Excited. There it is. Natural Born Killers next week. We're gonna do what we do every week. Another show. We thank you so much. Uh, boy, what a pleasure it is to have Eric back. We love you, buddy. Great to have you here. For Travis, I'm Michael. We bid you adieu. Keep it to yourself. Me.